12, 1 through 3. I'm going to read this first. And it will be in the New Living Testament. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, he told me to ramble this morning so that he would have time to get it all caught up because I handed it to him late. I might not have rambled enough, but we're going to go on anyway and let him catch up. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. I'm going to preach this morning from a title that is Get Out of Your Own Way. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do, we do thank you for everything that we have, for who we are, for being able to come to this place that you've provided for us, Lord. We know that everything we have comes from you. All of our provisions come from you. All of who we are and everything that's good comes from you, Lord. And Lord, we ask today that we might open our ears and our hearts, um, including myself, because I know that we are not the best that we can be, and I know that we have a tendency to trip over our own feet and get in our own way, Lord. So I ask that you be with us today and be in our presence and teach this message to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Okay? Since we are surrounded by a huge crowd, when Bible's talking to we, we know that he's talking to Christians. Okay? So individually or as a group, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses that we have to um, witness our faith to. We have to be the salt in life. We have to show our faith amongst all these witnesses. To do that, it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. All right? So we all have something in our lives that is slowing us down. There's something in our lives that's going to trip us up. No matter how good we do, no matter what path we're on, there's always something. Um, I know yesterday, um, my grandson, who's 11, had a little buddy of his who was 13, and there he's running around on a 190cc mini bike. And, you know, it's like he's driving on the roads, and I told my daughter, I'm like, hey, it's not my place, um, you know, but he, he's doing this. And... Um, and she's like, well, everybody does it. And, and then I got into, because now I'm old, but I know how to Google, right? So I, I Googled the Florida State statues. I got his little 13 and 11-year-old. I'm like, the law says over 50 cc's. You have to be licensed. You have to be 16 or you're breaking the law, right? 
probably, I, I got in my moment. One of them things. But people come back at me when I know the truth to be true. Here, this is a downfall with me, okay? If, if I know the truth to be true, and you come up and you contradict that truth, it doesn't take long for me to make sure that you know the truth by the inflection of my voice. Because it gets up there, and it gets up there because when there's 13 people on my back porch, I'm going to make sure that I'm the loudest. Because my truth is there, the truth, right here. Right, right here in my phone because I Googled it. Florida law says. And they're like, whoa, whoa. My daughter's like, okay, Dad, you don't have to. Did you realize how loud you got? So there's something. I'm sharing that with you guys. You guys, you know, pray for me. Um, Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up so easily. And let us run this race. Um, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So how how many here understand that the weight that slows you down a lot of times is yourself? That's the weight that slows us down. Um, I got a few examples of that weight slowing us down. Now, I have been, um, there's an area in my life that I've been praying specifically to God for. And it would take a certain, it took a certain thing of events to line up for it to happen. And they did. And God answered my prayer. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But the Florida LSU game was getting ready to come on. Dude, I watched the game instead of go take care of what God answered my prayer for. I missed out on the answered prayer. Because I stepped in my own way. Because I put the gators over the answered prayer that God had given me. Now, I would say something about yesterday's game, but I don't want to make Rick uncomfortable. So I just went back a week and just talked about LSU in Florida. Um, but don't you know any of you guys, I mean, I don't know if you're, if you're fans. Um, my wife, I talked to her last night, and I said, this morning I said, Honey, it doesn't mean a lot to me because I don't have a dog in the fight, and I know it means less to you, but I have to tell you about the baseball game last night between the Astros and Yankees. And she was like, He laid her head back down on the bed, and she's like, I don't care. I'm like, I know, but i got to tell you about it, right? So the point is, if you're not football fans, I'm going to tell you this anyway. And I get to do that because I have the microphone. So I watched the um, Florida LSU game. It was a great matchup. It was two top ten teams. I was pulling for Florida. And it was probably one of the better college games that I'd ever seen in my life. Both teams, like, through the first half, tie game at half, they went back and forth and back and forth, and the defenses rose occasionally on both about the same. The offenses were driving down, big offensive shootout. I mean, it was just, it was really a good game. And Florida lost the game by two touchdowns. And um, there were two things that they did specifically that led to them losing the game. And the first one was a holding penalty when they completed, I don't remember now, it was like a 27 or 34-yard pass or something like that. And they had been driving, like just working. But you know when something, when you do something and it makes you stumble, it's hard to get back on track. And so they ended up with a three and out. They punted. Um, 
and LSU, I believe, was on the first play, scored. And, you know, so that was that, was that right there. And then the second thing that they did is they were driving down and on the eight-yard line, and the quarterback, who'd been great all day, forced one, made a bad decision. He just made a bad decision. He forced one in the end zone, and LSU intercepted it in their own end zone. So Florida was getting ready to score. Those two plays right there could have changed the complete outcome of the game. But it was not so much, believe me, it was not the defenses of the other team that were getting in each other's way because, you know, it was a very high-scoring game. But it was Florida that did it to themselves. They got in their own way, they tripped, and they stumbled. Um, when I was in college, um, I went to University of Southern Mississippi, so every time Joyce goes to Mississippi, I know the roads that she drove on, and, you know, I mean, I'm like... Back when they were two lanes, and, um, and I'm familiar with that. But I went to school at Southern Mississippi, and when I was in school, I was in a fraternity. And one of the things that we did, um, fraternity and sororities, is they had um, one weekend of the year, they did what they called Greek games. And it wasn't really the games that the Greeks did back that created the Olympics. It was just a bunch of people, and we got together, and we did, like, tug-of-war, and we did swimming, and we did biking, and we, I mean, they had archery contest and three-legged races and on-your-shoulders, wheelbarrow races, you know, everything. And all the, the sororities were paired up with the fraternities, and everybody had a team, and the teams were moving forward. And, um, and I was involved in that. And we were fairly dominant, um, the fraternity that I was in, in athletics. Um, and particularly, I had grown up in Florida my whole life. Um, I started swimming at the age of two. Um, I just went and jumped in the deep end. My parents went and got me out. I would jump right back in. They got me out. I jumped in. So they put that, you know, that little egg, that styrofoam egg that straps around you that puts the kid's head down in the water and drowns half the kids that they put it on? Well, that's what I used, and within a few months after that, I'd jump in the water and just swim on my own dog paddle, and um, I was barely two years old when I accomplished that. So the point is, I was a really good swimmer. I was a strong swimmer. Um, we had a rapids down the river that we went to. I was the only one that could swim up the rapids. Um, and so point is, we had swimming event on the Friday night. So we had um, an A team and a B team, and the A team swam the first leg, and then the B team swam the next you know, event. And then the A team went back, went back and swung, swung the third event. And we were short a guy. One of the B guys didn't show up. And they, were like, they all knew me. Dude, you can swim. Can you swim the B event? Yeah, I can swim the B leg. I did great. And then I was like, you know, you got to swim again on the A leg. Yeah, okay, I can do that. And I, I did great-ish. Not as good as I did the first two. But, um, you know, they carried me to the showers and laid me on the ground, put hot water on my legs. I was so shaky. Well, that was Friday night, and then Saturday morning, the very first thing we had was a was bicycle race. And here's the thing, about, I don't know if any of you guys know about bicycle racing, but it's, there, there's like sprints, just like running. There's sprints, and then there's long distance. Well, our bicycle race was on a windy road, 2.2 miles, with a slide uphill the whole way. Well, 2.2 miles is not long distance, and 2.2 miles is not a sprint. So it was really, it was, I mean, you can't just get on it the whole time. 
Um, my brother had a racing, I mean, back in the day, I'm t- 70s, you know, he had a racing swim bike, and I mean, you could lift it with two fingers. And I'm, I had a 26-inch 10-speed from Walmart. That's what I owned. And I used to ride it around the school all day. And I used to ride my bike around my hometown from a little kid on. Um, made, my, made my legs just huge. Cedric and I talk about this sometimes. My, my leg press... At 155 pounds, I could press over 1,300 pounds with my leg because I rode my bike every day, everywhere that I went, as fast as I could, as hard as I could. So anyway, we get into this race. I'd borrowed my brother's bike, and you know we've got a guy in our fraternity, and you know he's got the little helmet before helmets were cool, geeky. Um, he he had the tight shorts, um, just you know he was the biking dude, and he did it every day. All I did was rode my bike to class. So he was our A group, and I was the B. The reason we had A and B is because we had 11 people on the starting line because there were 11 fraternities, and then we had 20 yards behind that, 11 more people were your B team. So I was on the B team on the back starting line, and he came up to me, his bike broke. And I'm like, well, dude, you're the, you are the bike man. Take my brother's racing bike, and I'll just use my Walmart bike. And that's what I did. So then the race started, and everything collapsed down in on the, like, people fell over on the line I was in. I'm like, morons, you don't know how to ride a bike, you're 18, you know I mean? So I backed up, and I'm, I'm like, well, this is done. I'll just let everybody go. So I let everybody get up, and literally I started last and had to wait for the people in front of me to get up to go to move. So I start riding, and I'm moving along, and I start catching people, and then I see the pack. And I'm like, well, if I pass the pack, I'll feel happy if I'm in, you know, whatever place that ends up being. And I pass the pack, and then I see the next guy ahead of me, and I'm like, well, I'm going to catch that guy. Now, I'm on a Walmart bike, 26-inch, and these dudes are all on, the, and they're look, looking down at me as I'm passing them. But I go past the next guy, and I'm like, well, I'll keep my eyes on the next guy. Well, what I didn't realize is the next guy was in third place. And I'm standing up, and I'm like, nobody can stand up and pump for 2.2 miles. I'm doing it anyway because I'm like, I got my eye on the next guy, got my eye on the next guy, got my eye on the next guy. When we crossed the finish line, sad to say, I was literally the width of the tire behind the first place guy and blew right by him. And they're like, dude, you're on a Walmart bike? What's up with that? I did the tug of wars. I did the wheelbarrow race. I did everything. And at the end of the day, we did a... Um, 440, well, it was a mile relay, so each one of us had to run a 440, but it was cross-country, and it was at, a nas- at, a, at one of the national parks, and the ground kind of went down like this. So you start out up here, and you come down, and you go around. Dude, we're in it. We are in it. We, we were like us and one other fraternity for first place to win all of Greek games, and I'm like, let me run last leg. I got this, Right? What I didn't take into effect was everything that I had just explained to you that I had done. And when I made the hill at the bottom and started running uphill, I got my eye, I'm down, I'm like looking at the path, I'm forward, I'm looking, and then I see feet next to me, backwards, and it's my big brother in the fraternity, he's going, come on, dude, come on, you can run faster than that, come on, dude. I was going so slow, and I thought I was giving it all. I'm just rushing head down, and he's running backwards beside me, ahead of me, going, come on, dude, come on, get that refrigerator off your back. Come on, come on. The point is, is I probably cost our fraternity the games because I got in the way of myself. 
right? I thought I could do it, and I got in my way. Praise and worship night that we just had not too long ago, Jeff and Joyce did a skit. Hilarious. It's on Facebook. If you weren't here, you should go on Facebook and look at it. And theirs was um, what we're talking about here, about, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Right? So Joyce is out here. She looked like she was from Greece, from the movie Greece. She had a little, you know, um, pigtail, ponytails, whatever those are. Um, anyway, she's over here. She's warming up. And we got a little racetrack set up here. And Jeff comes through. I think he had flash on your shirt. Had flash on his shirt. He's like, oh, I'm the king. I'm the He was just bragging, going on, you know, sitting over in the side, eating pork rinds. And... Hey, let me just tell you, though, for those of you that are on the keto diet, my problem with diets is I can't sit at night, sit still, and watch TV without putting something in my mouth. Pork rinds are zero carbs. I ate a bag a night. <laughs> Every night, I'd go to the grocery store, and we'd pick up seven just for me for the week. Anyway, got off track there, right? So they're not healthy for you. So Jeff's over eating pork rinds. Well, when the race started... Joyce takes off, Jeff, uh, 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 Hammy takes him down, right? And the coach is like getting on to him, like, you know what you can do? You know, ah, training, I'm training, I'm not going to do all that. Um, I, I, I'm the fastest, I'm the best, I'm the champion, I got this, you know? It's hilarious, you guys need to look at it because I don't do Jeff justice. But the point is he went to a little bit longer race and hit, Hammy tightened up. Then they did a distant race, Hammy tightened up. The point is he was his own problem. He got into his own way, and we have a habit of Christians of, our getting, in, of getting into our own way. In Galatians 5.7, it says, you were running the race so well. Christians. This was talking to Christians. Again, this, they were talking to the Galatians, but we as individuals, at some point in our life, Sitting here in the church, we claim to be Christian. At some point, we were running the race so well. And it says, then it says, who has held you back from following the truth? All right, so obviously something happened. You're doing good, something happened. But who, what caused you from following the truth? Verse 8 says, it certainly is not God, for he is the one who called you back to freedom. So who has held me back? Who's held me back? Me. Me. I have held myself back. And I've held myself back in every area of my life. I started thinking about this the other day. Every area of my life, spiritually, relationally, physically, financially, and I saved emotionally for last because if you walk up to some dude and he's like, ah, by himself, I'm mad at myself. Man, you didn't make those calls you're supposed to make. You didn't get up early this morning. You didn't work out. You know, you got some dude and he's yelling at himself. He's going around. He's emotionally distraught. So I obviously have affected myself emotionally as well. Or I wouldn't be mad at myself for falling short of my best. And here's the thing is you have to recognize what your best is and what you really can do. Because, and I, you know, I've used this example before, when I was in the Episcopal Church and I was in service two to three times a month, okay, there's only four Sundays, so I made 50 to 75% of the services, 
because we didn't have the Sunday night, Wednesday night, and the Thursday night praise and worship and the whatever. Um, I did make the softball games that we had, so I could maybe count that. But the point was two to three Sunday services a week, I mean a month I would make, and then I would usher one of those, so I'm serving the Lord. And when they sat down and asked me, you know, for their annual budget, and they were like, how much would you like to tithe? Three, five, seven, or 10%. And I'm like, well, I'll tithe 3%. That's an oxymoron. I didn't know that. But I thought, I came here, and Pastor, we were sitting and talking, and I'm like, you know, he's like, well, you know, what, what did you do? Where, you know, from Louisiana, okay. Um, I, I moved there. I'm from Florida. Actually, I was born in NAS Jacksonville. But um, I was in Louisiana at the time, moved here from Louisiana, and he's like, well, so, you know, so what did you do? And I was like, oh, man, I'm, you know, dude, pastor, whatever you need, you can count on me. Because I'm all in. I'm there like three sun. I'm like, I'm like three times a month I'm going to church. And, dude, faithful, I give like 3% of what I make. I mean, dude, you just count on me. Every once in a while I'll ush for you. I mean, I'm the man, right? I thought I was at my best. Here's the thing. The more you find out about serving God, the more you realize how down here you really are, right? So we need to find out what our best is because um, if you're not doing your best, then you're going to affect yourself in these areas of your life. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says, Don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win, right? Run to win. Can, can Jeff just go out there and beat Joyce if he's been eating pork rinds? No. There's a way that you can win. 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Cedric, you used to be a bodybuilder, right? Okay. If, 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 if Andrew, my son wanted to enter a, the Mr. Florida National Heavyweight Bodybuilding Championship that's next month, do you think he... I mean, what, is, what are his chances? Zero. Zero. The reason are is because Andrew hasn't trained. There's training that goes into it. There's training that goes into everything that we do. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we, as Christians... We do it for an eternal, eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I am not shadow boxing. Don't you know that... Um, and shadow boxing, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a part of boxing that's practice. You know, you, you go through your motions, your jabs, your hooks, and everything like that. Well, don't you know that if you are a, call yourself a professional boxer and you're 0-39, don't you know that when you're shadow boxing that you can look as good as the champ? Your jabs look sharp. They may not have no power behind them. They may not be quick, but your jabs look sharp. Your hooks, you're like, ooh, look, look at that dude. But when you step into the ring, it's not there. Um, I remember a few years ago, Air guitar was big. You know, people in our day and age, we used to make up things. Um, I mean, we were very creative. You know, you take a piece of paper. I could take this and fold it into a little triangle 
and I could hit Jeff from here on one of my better kicks with paper football. Now you can go to the store and you buy a little pack, and your you know field goal was like this goalpost. Now you can buy a little pack that has a goalpost that sticks on the table, has a football you can kick back and forth, and a different one that you kick. Because our generation went, man, we used to make that stuff up. Now I can get some money for it, right? So, um, where was I going with that? Now I got off onto I got off onto the football, um, air guitar, right? So back in our day, now um, I'm gonna give you one more tip. It just popped into my mind because I was gonna talk about air guitar, but let's talk about singing for just a second. I'll give you guys one more cool, cool clue. I'm a horrible singer, okay? I am nasally, I'm flat, off tune, but, and you know, you guys might think, oh, well, he's right up in there with Pastor Scott. Man, he sits on the front row. He wants to be hanging tight. No, there's that speaker right there, and it drowns me out, okay? And guess what I do when it drowns me out? I lift my horrible voice to the Lord. And guess what I get out of praise and worship when I'm lifting, when I'm just, I'm not worrying about anybody else. I don't know if you're closing your eyes or not, I'm on the front row. I don't know if you're lifting your hands or not, I'm on the front row. And unlike these people up here, I got my back to you. I'm not looking at you. I don't know what you're doing if you're just standing there frumpy face looking or if you're actually participating. But when I'm standing there and I got the music blaring louder than I can sing, then I'm singing loud to the Lord, and I got praise going on inside of me. So I got a hint for everybody. Instead of having empty seats out here, everybody next Sunday, let's just freak pastor out. Everybody needs to come forward so that the speakers can drown you out so that you can praise and worship loud and actually get something out of your praise and worship. Okay? So that's the voice hint. Air guitar, on the other hand, Back in the day, man, we used, I love guitar, man. It'd be like, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I don't know chords. I try, I took music lessons and she's like, what, I'm like, I don't even, what do you, what do you mean A? What, there's no A on this, like what D? Like I, I couldn't read music and she's like, okay, I took piano, set your fingers in whatever chord. I'm like, a bunch of white keys and black keys. What are you talking about? Such a, I didn't understand music. Um, but when Aerosmith or ACDC or Foreigner came on. But how many of you know that mine is fake? Mine is shadow boxing. Deacon Ken can pick the guitar for real, Right? I should give a hand praise uh, for Deacon Ken because he can pick the guitar for real. So we're not shadow boxing. Verse 27 says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. All right? So we've got things that we do as Christians that we should be doing because if we're not training, then we might end up disqualified, right? We're not going to get. Now, if you're saved, you're saved. I'm not saying that you might be disqualified. It's like, oh, well, you just backsliding and now you're going, backsliding and you're going to hell. Because if you're saved for real, then you're saved. But you are not going to be living in God's glory. You're not going to be living in His grace. You're not going to be living in His mercy that He has for you if you're not doing these things. So I looked at some of these things um, that I just covered with you guys um, physically. Now, 
I mean, you know, the, the Bible says that we're a temple, um, that our body is a temple. And when I was like 22 years old, I used that to my advantage every day because I was a salesman in a health club. And I used to every day, don't, don't you need to give me this $600? Because your body is a temple to God and look at you, right? Not exactly the way God intended that for that to go, but now that I'm older and I'm more mature, I understand that my body is a temple to God. I'm not supposed to be, I mean, if you, if you want to excel in all the areas of your life, then look at these different areas. Um, I told you I got mad at myself, and I'm like, what? and that was, that was a true story, only I wasn't walking around talking to myself. I was in the Jeep, and Nancy's freaking out at me because I'm like, man, I'm so mad at myself. I'm mad at myself for getting in the way of everything I'm doing. I could be, I, I could have more, and when I talk about money, um, my reason for money is because I would love to step out of the job that I'm doing now, insert myself into something here in the church, and help get a food and clothing building put up. Um, that's what I would like to do when I talk about increasing financially. Um, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, there's steps. I'm missing every day. Every day I'm not doing things. Like I've got things I can do at home on my computer that will make me money and I'm not doing them. I've got things that I could do every day by stopping in and making a cold call and I'm not doing it. I'm just I'm kind of okay with the way life's going right now. I make a decent living. I've got a paid for house. I'm just kind of okay with the way things are going right now, but I'm not doing my best. And I'm holding myself back financially. And I could be, if I was double where I'm at right now, there would be, and I mean, pastor will tell you, and if you don't give a dime out of a dollar, if you only make 10000 a year, you're not going to give a dime out of a dollar if you make $10 million a year. But I don't do that. I exceed. I give a tithe and an offering. Once I found out that 3% wasn't what God said, I corrected that. And he said on top of that, give an offering, and I corrected that. So if financial blessings were to pour down on me, I would give double. And here's the thing. Just like the event I was talking about earlier, God's opened up doors for me to be financially blessed, and I still haven't taken the steps that I have to do for those blessings to come through. He's not just going to give it to us. It's not free. He's not going to just give it to us. So I have put things in front of me financially, um, financially, in Colossians, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. So that's a very, very, very simple phrase in your job, in what you do. I mean, right now I have a fence company. And when I was physically putting up fences and the people would come out and they'd ask me a question here, a question there, somehow one way or another, I would get in there that, look, don't know your faith, but I'm a Christian. It means a lot to me. So I used to tell people that... The fence I'm putting up for you is the same quality that I would do at my house. And I don't say that anymore. Now I tell you, the same fence I put up for you is what I would do if this was Jesus' house. And if you worked to the Lord like that, if you have the opportunity to make sales calls or, or answer the phone or whatever it is that your job function is, if you do it and you work into the Lord, um, young people, you have such an opportunity in this generation to rise above everybody else in your group because our work ethic today is just not there. If you would work as unto the Lord, you will rise to the top and you will be blessed. Um, 
Now, I got on the financial off of the physically, um, the diet and exercise, So, because um, I got on talking about the temple for the Lord and then raise money. Um, but anyway, you know, I'm mad at myself because, you know, I, I keep talking about going on a diet, and then I don't, and I talk about it, and then I don't. And, um, and exercising, I'm getting old. Um, not as old as Cedric, but, uh, <laughs> but, I am, but I am getting up there. And I can't do the things that I used to do. And part of that's because I don't do anything about it. Um, I, I always thought that, you know, I can still show these young guys up. Um, I can go out there. There's a country song that says, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. That's me. I can go out there in one day and I can hang with those guys, put them to shame. And the next day I can't move because I'm so sore. Um, but I decided... When I'm driving in the car with Nancy, I'm like, I am in my own way. I'm like, this is it. I have a gym behind my house. Um, not, a, not like a, a L.A. fitness and behind my parking lot. Of my, I have a 500-square-foot separate building behind my house that has everything that a gym will have except um, calf raises, which is why Cedric don't come work out with me. I have everything else in my gym. Um, and I built it, and I went out there, and I'm like, how cool is this? And I'd show pictures to people, and I was proud, but I wasn't getting anything out of it because I wasn't using it. So that night, when we were on our way home on a Wednesday night, and I was so angry at myself for not doing, for, for being in my own way, for me making nightly and daily and decisions that were holding me back in every area of my life, I'm like, I'm so frustrated at this that the next morning I went home, I changed my alarm clock over, and you guys don't have to do this. I changed it over to 5 o'clock. I wake up at 5 o'clock. I put on the pot of coffee, and then I pray. And when I finish praying, I go get my wife up, and then we get dressed. We go out to the gym. We do a full circuit training in the gym. doesn't matter the day of the week. We do two days on, one off, two on, one off, two on, one off, and it alternates every other week. But... That's the routine I go through. When I'm done working out, I come in, the coffee's hot, we sit down, we do Bible study together, and when it's time for me to leave at 8 o'clock, I have all of this accomplished. Because I decided on that Wednesday night that I was not accomplishing what I needed to do. And just like everyone, most everyone, I don't have the time to do it. I don't have the time to put that in. I can't, um, there's not enough time in the day. I've got kids, I've got grandkids, I've got work that gets in my way. But, and I just, I used this on my son because he was talking about working so much, not how, because I was following up on him on going to church. He lives out in California. Um, this is the one with the job, not the one without the job. Um, and he, uh, He's like, well, Dad, I just don't, you know, I, I, I don't really have time. I, I, I'd like to. And I told him, I said, son, I'm just going to tell you what pastor says from the pulpit. And that is, after you poop, you got time to wipe your butt, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, then you got time. You have time to do the things that are important to you. And so that, this is what I did is in the physically... In the, in the physical realm, I set my alarm, I woke up earlier, and guess what? I'm more tired, so I did less TV at night, and I went to bed earlier, right? 
So when my sons call me at 9.27 at night, I'm like, what? I, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. There ain't nothing wrong with old people going to bed at 9 o'clock, right? Um, but I get more done than just about everybody in here by 8 o'clock um, because I go to bed at 9. Um, spiritually, we all need more quality prayer and Bible time. And I don't know what you have to do in your schedule to set that up or set that aside. For me, I have a physical job, and Andrew will tell you, really, Dad, not so much lately, because I don't put fences in anymore, right? And um, for some reason, I like to have an afternoon nap, but um, when I get home, I'd gotten in, in, in <laughs> thank you, Carol, another honest person of my age, I'm not going to say old, um, In the evening times, through habit, when I was working, very physical, I would come home, I would take a shower, eat dinner, and just want to zone out. And I would watch TV with my wife, and we'd sit there and whatever. And we, I mean, so really, from the time we finished dinner, so like 7 o'clock to 10, I mean, I'm watching like three hours of TV a night just because I wanted to zone out, right? Because I was so wore out physically. That rolled over into a habitual thing of when I'm not being physical at work. It's just kind of what we did. So that was another area I got mad at myself in. I'm like, at my age, to be honest with you, you know what? I shouldn't even say that because Israel's probably got a better memory than I do. Let me just say it this way. With my memory, I seriously cannot tell you what the episode was that I watched last night. So why am I doing it? I'm just doing it just to, I'm, I'm just, I am zoning out. I'm not putting anything towards anything. I'm not putting anything towards my wife. I'm not putting anything towards my family. I'm not putting anything towards God. I'm not putting anything towards anything. And I'm mad at that. I am mad at myself for letting that habit fall in my life. What is your habit? What is your routine that you can look at and examine to where you can give your best to God? Relationally. Man, there's time right there. I can focus so much more on my wife. I mean, I've, my wife, um, you know, you, you, you've got spouses, you've got mothers, daughters, your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, grandchildren. I mean, just like there, there's so many things that we can focus our life into and pour into rather than let something get in our own way. Now, some of you guys, I'm, I hope not everybody here has the same issues in front of them that I do, but... Everybody's got them. I mean, the Bible says we all go through the same thing. You know, your brothers across the world, we should pray for them because we're all going through the same thing. So whether it's the same exact thing or not, we all have things that trip us up and get in our own way. And then emotionally, um, when I was talking, um, then I did. You know, I, I, I really was. I mean, I was angry. Like, I raised my voice at myself in my Jeep because I was angry at the way I was living my life. Now, that's not to say that I'm just a slum dog and that I don't do anything, because if you look at my life now compared to where it was 10 years ago or 10 or 20 years prior to that, I mean, my life has done better and better and better, but I've leveled out of the complacency, and that's not where I need to be. That's not my best. So why settle for less than your best, right? So I had mentioned that was a Wednesday night. 
I set my alarm that night and Thursday morning I woke up at 5 o'clock and I was out in the gym that morning and did my Bible study and my prayer and I got my hour prayer time in like we do here. Had no distractions because it's, it's dark. I mean, there's just nothing going on, right? So here's the thing. I didn't delay. And that's what you have to do. No delay. When you guys leave here today, hopefully the word will come to you just a little bit and you'll look at yourself and examine your life and go, you know, even if you're doing really, really good and even if there's only 30 minutes that you can find to do something a little bit better, hopefully you'll examine yourself and you'll find that area. But here's the thing. Don't delay in doing it. In Ecclesiastes 5.4, it says when you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasures in fools. Don't make promises that don't mean anything to yourself or God. Don't, I mean, if, if we could do it on our own, we would just say, well, I'm going on a diet. And then, you know, 60 days later, we would be where we want to be. But we don't do that. We can't do that. Um, Rick and Charity, I'll use you guys because you got, Rick, you've lost a ton of weight. But I'm sure that you pray about it, don't you? Don't you pray on your diet to keep your diet straight? Because can we just do things on our own? That we, No, we can't. We have to have help from the Lord, and He's given us that help. Keep all the promises that you make to Him. In 5, it says it's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Do not let your mouth make you sin, and don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. I mean, good golly. If you're going to make a promise to God and you're going to make a promise yourself so that you can get better, then don't just go, well, that was an irrational decision I made. I really shouldn't have done that. And then you go to someone and go, yeah, you know, I was doing that keto diet, but, um, you know, all that high fat, that's that's bad for my heart, so I'm I'm just going to quit. I mean, that sounds rational, right? If you've got heart problems, you don't want to have high saturated fat. But that don't mean you should just quit altogether. You're just making excuses. You're telling the temple messenger the promise you made was a mistake. And look what it says. It says that would make God angry and he, he might wipe out everything that you have achieved. So don't be setting something up to make your life better. I mean, if you review this and you look at your life and don't set yourself up to make this life better and then promise God, you know what, God, you're right. I looked at this. My life is jacked up and I'm going to get it right. Or my life is good and I'm going to get it better. And I'm going to do this and then not do it. Don't follow through like that. Because number seven says, talk is cheap. Like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. So here's the thing. If you're going to talk the talk, you better be ready to walk the walk. That's it. So I just mentioned to Rick, can you really do your diet on your own? And the answer is no, you can't. Can you really stop smoking on your own? Some people have a lot more willpower than others, but for the most part, no, you can't. Can you just stop drinking if you're an alcoholic without help? No, you can't. So how do we get out of our own way? What can we do? Psalm 119, 58. And so funny, Keon comes to me because he goes, Hey, dude, you had 118 written down. There's only 50 verses in 118. Is it one? I'm like, yes, 119. And 119... 58 says, with all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promise. 59 says, I pondered the direction of my life. And this is what we're talking about today. I pondered the direction of my life. 
Look at your own issues. Examine yourself and see where you guys fall short. See where I fall. I mean, I'll look at my own life. And I have examined my life. See where your issues are. And then it says, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. Verse 60, it says, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Again, driving home in the Jeep. When I recognized my issues, I changed my alarm as soon as I got to a red light because I'm never on my phone when I'm driving. Oh, we can't lie from that. Um, as a famous, as one of our famous um, um, politicians just said, that was a parody. I wasn't really lying. Um, Hurry without delay to obey your commands. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I'm firmly anchored to your instructions. And here's the simplest way of that. It don't have to be an evil person It's just daily life. Daily life, the TV, whatever you got going on. I use TV because that's my issue. I've cut out, you know, all except the voice because my wife wants to do it. So I'm, 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 you know, in my relationship working, I sit with her and watch the voice. Um, But that's pretty much all I I watch. Evil people try and drag me into sin, but I'm firmly anchored to your instructions. Psalm 119 is great. It's great advice. But in Psalm 119, I noticed that there's a lot of eyes. There is, I want your blessings. I pondered the direction of my life. I turn to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay. And so what I'd like to do is to get back to our opening verse... If you notice, when we started, it was three verses. wasn't on the screen. And I, I started out with the first verse. So if we look back, starting at verse 2, how can we accomplish this? And the answer is in Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus is a champion. There isn't a race that he hasn't won. There isn't a thing that he hasn't done perfect. He built the best chairs. He built the best tables. He gave the best advice. He handled every situation perfect. He would not have yelled at that 13-year-old and told him, the Florida statutes say that you over 50 cc's, you can't drive on the road without it being titled and licensed. He would not have done that. Jesus handled everything perfect. He is the champion. And the only way that we're going to accomplish these things that we talk about when you look at improving your life is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross for you and me. He knew what was coming. He disregarded its shame. And now He is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. And you know what He's doing there? He went on that cross for us. So He's sitting there beside God's throne... And when it comes time for your judgment and the book of life is opened up, Jesus steps up. When God says, oh, look at your sins, what's the penalty? Jesus steps up and intervenes and says, no, this one's mine. I already paid for his. Because Jesus paid for your blood on the cross. And we should give everything we have for him for that. In verse 3 it says, think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then... 
you won't become weary and give up. So to solve each and every problem that you have, you have to first diagnose the problem. And I strongly recommend that you guys examine yourself and examine your lives and decide if you want better in every area and every aspect of your life. And once you've decided it and once you have prayed about it and once you have figured a way to do the things, to get the things out of the way that are in your way, the way that you can accomplish that is very simple from Hebrews 12.2. It is keep your eye on Jesus, think of all that he endured for you, and then after those, we will not become weary and give up. You know what to do. Do it. Don't delay. Get out of your own way and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for being here, Lord. Thank you for the message that you give to remind me because I am not where I need to be. I am not giving my best to you. I love you and I desire you and I get in my own way. I step on my own feet. I leave this building and let things of life happen to me that take me away from you. Lord, please fill me, fill everyone here with your Holy Spirit so that we might not only endure this life, but take command of this life. You've commanded us to go out and to, and to dominate, but we can't do these things on our own. We don't have the will. We don't have the knowledge, the wisdom, the desire. Lord, without you, our lives are just meaningless. Lord God, we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you to help better our lives. And Lord, we just ask that you fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can move forward so that in the end, that all of these things that we are asking to do for the betterment of you is so that we may glorify you, Lord. Because that's what this is about. We should be, as Christians, we should be dominating this earth. And if we gave everything we had to you, you would be glorified through us, Lord. So I ask that you help us. I ask that you wrap your arms around us. I ask that you guide us in the ways that we need to be guided. I ask, Lord, that you help us not be so stiff-necked and not turn and not listen, Lord. Lord, a wise man, when he's corrected, will learn and is teachable. And Lord, we just ask that our minds are open and our hearts are open so that you can instill the Holy Spirit in us so that we gain wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.